Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Holistic Tips with Lori Jean, and I love that song. I wrote that, and I sing that. It's at my band camp, lorijeanfinella.bandcamp.com, L-O-R-I-F-I-N-N-I-L-A, and then just bandcamp, one word, dot com. And I wrote it to my son as we were running from abuse for many years, and um, so I suppose I'm a bit of a hero myself. I'm learning and sharing how to heal myself holistically, where I have many injuries from abuse and an autoimmune disease from this as well. Holistic healing does work. I improve. Please check out recipes that I've learned that have helped my leaky gut, so to speak, and it is a medical term for alternative methods in functional medicine. And that is at lorigeanandthekitchen.blogspot.com, and I just put up a cool paleo, P-A-L-E-O, tuna salad lunch, and deviled eggs I made out of my homemade mayo. We have a hero here, actually two heroes, actually many heroes, including my grandfather who served all wars and received many medals. War heroes are close to my heart as is Steve's story of himself as he has served and as a hero and wrote a book about his father, who is definitely a hero in their crew, of the Susan Root B-17 that went down during World War II over the French-Belgian line. 28,000 men became prisoners of war at this time. I want to let you know I follow these stories in any movie I can watch of World War II in particular that captures my attention and inspired me the most of the courage and mindset of everyone involved in stopping the horrible crimes being committed. This was with the, this was the Nazis killing Jewish people and many people around that will try to help. D-Day was huge in my attention, which is where Steve's father comes in. Welcome, Steve. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be on the show. I'm so happy to have you here. You're such a wonderful gentleman. You're light-spirited. You're just, I've watched other interviews of you. You're just a pleasure. Everyone loves having you around. Your 25 book awards, February 8th, 1944, over Belgium, Steve's father's plane, which is named after his one-year-old sister at the time, Susan Ruth, was shot down. His mom had notes from his father when he was in the war, and he wrote his books on these notes, and he had a journal, uh, a journal or a diary. I think that's the same thing. Um, can I just, I'm going to set up a spot of where your father was, Steve, and if you can just try to move in that place with me. Dangling okay. 20 feet off the ground. When his plane went down, his parachute had him up high, 20 feet off the ground, in a tree in Nazi territory over the French-Belgian lines in 1944 in World War II, all by himself. Did he write what was going through his mind at this time in any of his journals, uh, diary, 
any of the notes to your mom? Well, he wrote a, uh, after he bailed out, he was missing in action for seven months, uh, but evaded uh, yes. being captured by the Germans. And while he was uh, being hidden, he wrote a diary about his plane being shot down, which is absolutely riveting. It's in the book. But he didn't write uh, a, a diary about his, his feelings or experiences after moment. he got shot down. And when oh, he, he was uh, no survival, no, uh-uh. and uh, he couldn't. Wow. Uh, when after he was shot down and missing in action, he wasn't able to communicate uh, back to the United States uh, with his uh, family or the U.S. military. No one knew what happened to him. They all only knew that he was missing in action. I have all his letters and excerpts from those letters are in the book. Of, of, of why he was stationed in England before being shot down, um, but nothing afterwards. Everything afterwards was just uh, by word of mouth. Word of mouth. Well, I don't want to pull because I don't know if any of that's from the book. But where this is a holistic show, I am pulling on you, and I definitely want to get to a terrorism because you know I love, as I mentioned when I started this show, I absolutely love the whole heroism and everything that everyone did to get involved in this World War II to stop the Nazis killing the Jewish people. But the frame of mind of death um, and trying to survive, and you mentioned adrenaline and frostbite at one point, the spiritual connection of survival, obviously that was there. If I can just uh, mention one more time, um, do any of these terms connect possibly to his state of mind? trying to survive at this time? Well, it uh, it was a very uh, uh, stressful time for him. Um, after all, his you know plane was attacked by two German fighters uh, that's on fire. Uh, he has to bail out. He comes down in a, a foreign country, has no idea where he is, can't communicate, as I mentioned, with the U.S. military, doesn't know what happened to his uh, buddies right. on the crew. And he's being helped by complete strangers, uh, and they can't really communicate because my father can't speak French. He had a little French-English dictionary in his evasion kit. And any one of these people that uh, were helping him could uh, turn out to be a collaborator and turn him over to the uh, German secret police, the the Gestapo. So it it was. Yeah, it was. It was very. He was wrong. Very stressful. His his sources within. Right. And the resources he had, obviously, he had nothing on him. He didn't have cans of food. I don't know if he had a time to pack any kind of medical uh, supplies for himself. So he was, I'm sure, weak and hungry and sick at times. Well, he, if, he owed his life to the courageous Belgian people that hit him. Um, he was hidden for uh, several months uh, by various Belgian people. Uh, how long he stayed? He went. They moved him from place to place to place. How long he stayed at any given house, uh, depending on how brave the people were who lived there and how dangerous the Belgium underground thought it was for him to stay there. He might stay oh, one night in one house, or or six six weeks at another house. So he was moved around, so and the people the that hit him were. Yeah, he was in either farm uh, houses or uh, or uh, or homes. And the people who hit my father they had him underground or brave people. Well, uh, was he hidden he underground was, like he was, you see on the movies and TV? 
Well, he was hidden by the underground. He wasn't actually under the underground, un- but he I wasn't guess under at the times, like that. yeah. Well, it, it varied. You know, he could be in a cellar, he could be in a room, he could be in an attic, okay. attic. Oh wow! Uh, he could be uh, really, uh, really various places. So we're talking. Is this, the people, this is a live situation we're talking to right now. Pardon? Go ahead, the people. I, I'm telling my our audience uh, this is a live situation we're talking to now. This is, isn't a movie. This is real. I'm sorry. So you were saying the people? Oh yeah, well they were unbelievably brave uh, people because they risked not only their lives uh, and everything they had, but the lives of their family and friends. If the German secret police, the Gestapo, found out that they were aiding a downed U.S. airman. They would be uh, arrested, tortured, and either shot or sent to a concentration camp. And some of the people who helped my father and other members of his crew uh, did meet that fate. So that they were incredible. Yeah, I want to touch people. on that. That's okay. Yeah, I know this is sure. this is really hard to touch on that. That close calls. There were close calls, and your father was obviously uh, probably watching this at some of the times where people did meet this fate of death and torture. Um, did he mention any of this? Can you give me like tiny tidbits of maybe something he saw at that time? Well, um, fortunately, he didn't really see any of that because he was hidden and, and the Germans never got him. But one of the gentlemen, he, uh, he and, his, and his wife, well, my dad was moved from place to place, and uh, some of the people that uh, were arrested were arrested after my father left that house and went to another oh, location. Wow. Oh, he that just must heard have about hurt. it afterwards. Oh yes, uh, terrible. One of the this uh, couple who hit him for uh, a time being a couple months uh, after uh, afterwards, the man was arrested and uh, beaten, tortured, uh, sent to prison, and he narrowly escaped being executed. But he died at a fairly young age, uh, not that many years after the war, because his health was broken from the torture that he endured. Oh, of course. Oh, and your father, now this is, this is a huge turning point right here. All these people did this for your dad. They did this for your dad, oh, and now this is all building up inside of your dad, because he's, he's hearing all this. Oh yes, yes, and uh, he kept in the people that he stayed in uh, stayed with for lengthy periods of time. Uh, he became close with, and after the war, he stayed in touch with, would write letters, exchange Christmas cards, and then uh, years after the war, he went back to Belgium and uh, you know met these people. Sure. Okay, I want to mention your father's highly trained. Your father was, I'm sorry, uh, with all due respect, bless him. He's in heaven. We know this. Your father was highly trained at the time, so he knew exactly how to combat. Well, he oh, was I, this uh, is unique. A good place. Yeah, yeah, he was. He, he was. He was unique. Most men who uh, airmen, you know, who who served in the Eighth Air Force and were uh, on air crews, uh, they didn't know anything about fighting on the ground. But before my dad went into the Air Force, he was uh, in the infantry for a year so he knew how to fight on the ground and that's one of the reasons uh that uh after a while he got tired of hiding uh and he decided to join the french resistance and start fighting against the germans which was extremely dangerous exactly 
Exactly. He had everything built up inside him. He could have gone back home. But these people were dying for him. And, boy, that makes a huge difference. And, I mean, he was already in war. I mean, he's seen death. He almost lost his life. Lost five people on the plane that he was flying with. Five survived, five died. I don't know when this happened and if he knew what was going on at this time. But he, he had seen death. He had seen war. And then to see these people who really didn't have anything to do with his mission, I can imagine, really impacted him. So he just took his entire life where there's, you know, his family at home could not let go of that. And I can completely understand that. He's completely not in communication with anybody, as you said. And he put his life on the line to to join right in. And uh, wow. Oh, yeah. oh yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, his, uh, the people that were hiding him tried to talk him out of joining the French resistance because it was just so dangerous. Uh, he could be killed fighting the Germans, or if the Germans captured him, they would have shot him on the spot as a spy. They tried to convince oh, sure. him just to stay hidden until the U.S. armies came up through France after D-Day and liberated the area because that was the safest thing to do even though you know he could be discovered why he was hiding. But the risk of you know, fighting with a guerrilla group, uh, the resistance, you know, that, that, there's not many people that would have done that. It took it a tremendous amount of courage and bravery. But as you alluded to, right. you know, there were other uh, U.S. servicemen fighting and dying, and he thought it was his duty to get back in the fight yeah. and, and do his part. And that amazes me when men and women can do this. They're so grounded into where they are and their mission. There's no other thought in their mind. I think that's why I watch so many of these movies. I'm so taken by the devotion. I think devotion probably is the best word. Do you think? That's a that's an excellent word because he was devoted to my to my wife or his wife, my mother. Uh, and he was devoted to his country, and uh, he was also devoted to those those, those Belgian people that uh, helped him. But he doesn't even think about his life, even though he has a family that he adores at home. It's it's I have to do this, you know, whether I live or die, I, I have to do this. Yeah, someone someone has to do it. A job needs to be done, and he was there, and so he he did what he felt was his job. And another thing that was tough for my, my, well, my dad and my mother at the time that you said that his plane was named after my uh, oldest sister who was one year old at the time that he went overseas. My other sister was born while my father was missing in action. So he didn't know whether the baby, you know, was a boy or a girl until he uh, got back to, to, to England and tell, sent a telegram to my mother. Norman D. Day. Uh, no, yeah, no, I'm saying that right. Norman D. Day. That was June 6, 1944. Can you explain that to me and how your father's in connection with that day? You already mentioned that earlier, but um, it, it just, it's riveting to me because I watched a movie and Cillian Murphy was in that. And um, it, it just, it kind of, it was almost confusing to me, yet um, it just really stood it in my mind. Uh, the impact of it was so deep. What was exactly that transaction, especially for those you want the younger crowd to understand? Why was that such an important day and an important time? Well, the the Germany, the, the Nazis were fighting uh, the Russians on the Eastern Front, um, but Germany controlled all of Western Europe, uh, occupied all of Western Europe. 
And so the Allies, to, to defeat uh, the Germans, they needed to have an offensive uh, in Western Europe. And everything built up to uh, D-Day, Operation Overlord, where the British, Canadians, the United States, and uh, some uh, some other countries participated. And uh, began in the offensive to try to invade occupied Europe. And if they weren't successful in invading, uh, who knows what would have happened uh, because the, the Germans had strong fortifications along the coast of uh, France. And if they repelled the, uh, the landing uh, and kind of pushed the, uh, the U.S. and the Allies back into the uh, Atlantic Ocean, uh, they, I don't know what would have happened. Uh, <laughs> Germany might have won the you know, might, have, might have won the war. Right. So it was it was a huge in the United States. It was a huge undertaking. It was the largest uh, uh, amphibious assault in in the history of yeah. the world. And I uh, so it was a big day. How Germany moved in? Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And like and like you say, uh, I, that took place on June sixth yeah. of 1944. Yeah, so everybody came together. The world came together to to stop this because they were just about to take over all of Europe. They had a very strong hold, and the United States wouldn't be where they are today. And so everybody put in their last efforts, and that's what won the war. But um, I just um, – that really, really, really blows my mind, this whole thing, and um, – I think it's how close we came to losing our freedom here is what keeps bringing me back to this. Yes, uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, today don't realize uh, how in danger the uh, Allies were of losing the war at the beginning of the of the conflict in, uh, you know, 1940, 1941, 1942. You know, Germany and Japan were winning the war, and uh, it was. Uh, the outcome was really in doubt. Um, it was a very scary time, a very unknown future. So, uh, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people, younger people don't realize that uh, the outcome was very much in doubt for several years. Um, and it was yeah, a when I was time for the world up. to go through. Yes, it was. I remember being at the kitchen table. The war was still going on in the 70s, but in the 60s, we weren't allowed to read the paper, watch the news. Um, my grandmother was having breakdowns a lot because she never knew whether or not my grandfather was coming back. Of course, the women who were left alone at home, they didn't have any money, so they were all getting together and ripping you know, shreds of cloth or, I don't know, dishcloth. Anything that they needed, they would go back and forth and you know, like stock up what they would have extra of and, um, you know, just really, really hold on strong. And I kind of wish we would still do that today because I see how we've lost all of that. And I know you've mentioned that too. We've lost a lot today and other people that have interviewed you uh, stressing how we, we can't really even imagine um, the, the unification that went on at these times and how strong it was and how we held on so strong. And if we had just had a little bit of this, that still stayed, um, I think that would be good. And I wasn't going to touch on that. I don't know if you want to say anything on that. but Well, that that's true. I mean, uh, the U.S. is so divided today, and there's so much animosity and conflict. Um, back uh, during the war, everyone 
uh, drew together, you know, and, and rallied around uh, to answer the call. Uh, even, you know, all the people that, you know, didn't go to war, all the citizens back home, they they rationed, uh, as you uh, alluded to. Um, they they worked. The men were at war. The women women went to went to work. Uh, the kids would you know save uh, tin cans and uh, rubber. Uh, you know just any little thing to help the war effort. So it was a, a unified, a very unified country then. Yeah, it was, and it was a sad time. I, and the only thing I would hear is at times it seemed like every week. Well, we did every week have. Uh, many numbers of people that we knew, uh, relatives to, a lot of our relatives served. Um, we had a very large family um, that were coming home dead, and that was really, really difficult. My father was having a very hard time with that. You could tell trying to compose, and he really didn't want us to know exactly everything that was going on. And I wish I knew a little bit more so I could have um, really appreciated life in general because we don't realize what we have. And we don't realize why the world is the way it is unless we realize how hard we're fighting to stay free. And then it's, oh, my gosh, that's what it is. Well, if that's what it is, then I wouldn't have even worried about this or that or thought about this or that. Or, I mean, I wouldn't have felt bad about so many other things. Yeah, that, that's very true. The United States have been blessed. Uh, you know, our country's never been invaded We've never had, uh, you know, war on our soil. Um, you know, I've been to Europe uh, several times, and the people in England, uh, the people who uh, really underwent hardship during the Blitz in 1940, and all those European countries that were occupied under Nazi oppression uh, and occupation, I mean, they are so grateful to the Americans coming to their rescue to free them. Uh, from Nazi tyranny, uh, they appreciate the, the fact, um, and, and they appreciate their freedoms. And they, they to this day, they're still so grateful, and they, they do a great job of educating the younger generations as well. As you mentioned, you know, in the United States, we've had it so good uh, that people just take all these freedoms for granted. Yes, exactly. Now, um, he's either being captured, made it back to England. He's part of 8th Air Force. 26,000 men died. Tell us what your dad's life was like being a hero. Well, my dad, like all those guys who fought in World War II, did not consider themselves heroes. Um, they're amazingly humble uh, men. They they just say, well, no, they uh, – we had a job to do. We went over there. We did our job, and we came home, and we got on uh, with our lives. No big deal. But they saved the world. But that's the way they were. I mean, back then, the world was – the U.S. was a much different place. Uh, um, it was very uh, provincial. Uh, most people lived out in the country, you know, in rural areas as opposed to the to the cities today, a lot of these guys had never, you know, uh, there was no air travel back then. Um, the only communication was listening to a radio. So you were kind of isolated from world events. A lot of these guys had never even been out of their home county. And all of a sudden, here they are, a teenager or their, or their early 20s, and they're halfway around the world fighting a war away from the, their home for the very first time. And uh, they just answered their call and came back. 
Yeah, they, 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 they're amazing men. Great. And they grow up so fast. I want to mention your book, Shot Down, which is doing really well and has done really well. It's been out for a few years. It's at Amazon. And your website is Steve Snyder, S-T-E-V-E-S-N-Y-D-E-R, author, A-U-T-H-O-R.com. You can get a signed copy of his book there. Obviously, there's some really neat tidbits he hasn't told me. As you can see, this is just the touch of how interesting this story is. And I've been pulling him, so I know I've gotten you interested. But definitely Amazon, uh, which is the number one place. It's sold right now, and and you're in so many really cool historical museums. Your book. Yeah, it's very fortunate. Uh, in fact, I have a big trip coming up this Friday. Uh, I'm going to England first. Um, I'm going to. Uh, there's a. My dad was in the 306 bomb group, and there's a museum in Thurlie, England, where his base was. I'm going to be there this coming Sunday. Then I'm going to go visit a number of Eighth Air Force bomb group museums in England, and then from there I'm going over to Belgium for the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Belgium and ceremonies to uh, to honor and remember my dad's uh, crew the, of the the B-17 Susan Ruth. And then I'm going down to uh, Normandy to uh, visit the D-Day beaches. And then from there, I'm going to Munich, oh. Germany oh my God. to visit uh, the um. Luftwaffe pilot that shot down my dad's plane, Hans Berger. Oh, I saw that. I can't believe that. You, now, you are holistic right there. <laughs> you made the whole show. That's amazing to me. <laughs> yeah, it'll be an a, amazing trip. It'll probably be, Hans Berger's 95 years old now, so it'll be the, probably the, the last time I ever get to see him. But uh, we've friends become friends. Him. Yes. Yeah, you're friends with this man. I just, oh, I love that. I mean, uh, that that's spiritual, great spiritually deep. Uh, can you give me a title? You also this this major title of this reunion that's coming up of this organization. Well, there's a number of reunions coming up. Uh, the, 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 the 306 Bomb Group Historical Association, of which uh, I'm immediate past president, we're having our reunion uh, this November at the uh, near Savannah, Georgia, at the Mighty Eighth Museum, which is a wonderful museum uh, uh, near the Savannah Airport. I'm also going to another reunion, the Eighth Air Force Historical Society, uh, in October in St. Louis. Uh, which is a, a wonderful affair. So I go, I go to a number of uh, reunions around the country. I go to air shows all over the country, signing copies of my book, and I do a lot of PowerPoint presentations to all sorts of different groups uh, around the country. So it, it's really a full-time occupation, but it's a passion of mine, and I love doing it. We have to keep the memory of what occurred alive and to honor these great men who fought it. I want to thank you for being a hero and serving yourself. When I saw on, in some of the YouTube videos um, how the red carpet is rolled out for you, um, it just uh, – let me see if I wrote down here. Well, I well, saw I've you riding in the UH to... Huey. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm fortunate to have a so lot you guys of are having uh, fun at these air shows. <laughs> yep, yep. And uh, the five yeah, very blessed. The I'm very blessed. Yeah, and, well, they were just rolling off the red carpet for you, and it looked like men in uniform. And I just thought, wow. I mean, it just brought chills to my spine. So I want to thank you for serving as well. Um, you and your dad are just wonderful heroes, and all the men that served um, 
that were connected to your father's story. Um, God bless them. God bless all the men that served, you know, God bless America, God bless the world. And um, you're just a love. You're a huge love. And I really hope I pass some love your way. And um, oh, I, I feel it. Thank and, you very and, much. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, good. And please oh, let me know it. if there's anything else you ever want to share. Oh, good. iHeart just picked me up. So people have been sending a lot of love to me. So I'll never know how many listens I get now, but I think that's a nice platform uh, for you to be on. So, Steve, I want to thank you. And um, next time we speak. Well, I appreciate it, Lori. Thank you very much. Okay, Steve. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. My next show next week is about bullying, teen suicide, and we're going to have an expert here who is a former high school dean. His name is Mark Hoberman. So that'll be next week on the 21st, and I'm going to leave you with a commercial break. Bless you. And don't forget to visit Lori Jean in the kitchen at blogspot.com. Holistic medicine does work. Catch Lori's story at Facebook at My Beauty to My Music. Guns Pulled, written, composed, and sung by Lori Jean Fanella. <laughs>